This is Max from the great country of Scotland, and whenever I'm adjusting my kilt, I'm listening to the Two Guys Talking podcast. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show podcast. Providing you with complete, detailed, and always educational perspectives when it comes to television, feature films, DVDs, Blu-rays, and the hottest in online entertainment. This week, it's Two Guys Talking... Star Wars, 1977, directed by George Lucas. 1977 was a very memorable year for a lot of people. For those that can remember May 1977, they'll remember sights, sounds, storylines, and special effects that continue to stand the test of feature film time. Two Guys Talking has been around now 12 years, and one of the most asked questions inside of our history is... So when are you going to do the Star Wars Perspective Review, man? Well, it took a while, but we are truly proud to present, finally, 40 years after it arrived on the silver screen, it's time for the Two Guys Talking Star Wars Perspective Review. Polish up your blaster, don the white doomed-to-be-clumsy armor, and prepare to get treated at the cantina with real first shots. It's here! It's the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Star Wars, 1977, directed by George Lucas. During the Two Guys Talking Star Wars podcast. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Chris Giuseppe, your other host. And I'm Pat Doran, also a host. Excellent to have you guys here. And really excited to be talking about a property that I think is the most asked question ever. Absolutely. Years of Two Guys Talking, where in the hell is the Star Wars review. Well, here it is, everybody. Well, as it should be the most asked question. <laughs> I mean, because it's it's one of the the premier films yeah. of my childhood. I, I, I distinctively remember two films, seeing them in the theater, most memorable films, Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And it was it's just... I asked the same question, too, Mike Wilkerson. Why did it take us so long to get here? (laughs) The cool part is that it's here, and part of this wonderful project known as Two Guys Talking Star Wars, and I can't wait to talk to both of you about it. Before we get into it, a little bit of housekeeping. The Rogue One Perspective Review. Now, I know there are people out there that have not yet seen Rogue One, believe it or not, even if you're a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. I guarantee there's going to be people that haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it, and then you need to listen to the Rogue One Perspective Review. Absolutely. Because we'll give you all the the connective tissue that'll take you from Rogue One into this film and then into the rest of them. Yep. You can uh, listen to that right now by going over to twoguystalkingstarwars.com, or you can link to it from the show notes inside this podcast over, uh, again, at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. A special thanks to Dallas. I had the pleasure of taking the podcast bug, my 1974 custom Super Beetle with a recording studio built into the front of it, to Dallas to an event Mm -hmm. called FinCon last week. FinCon is the world's largest finance blogger and podcaster convention, and it was spectacular. 1,750 people were there registered and participating. It was great to see so many people utilizing the podcast bug during that event Mm -hmm. inside the convention center. But more importantly, it was great to see how exciting the financial blogger and podcaster landscape is. Mm -hmm. For those of you that don't have any idea what I'm talking about but are still inside the finance realm, be sure you check out FinConExpo.com. We're going to link that into the show notes here as well. But again, my thanks not only to the FinCon staff but also to Steve Stewart, 
available over at stevestewart.me for getting me that contract and that experience. Everything in Texas is big. I'm surprised they allowed you in the state with a bug. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it was great. I, I had so much help from the people on staff there, and I think that's what I really took away from it. I've been to probably, I don't know, a hundred conventions in my life. Mm-hmm. And typically when you jump into a convention, you're almost always going to get what you get. Right. I, I never expect help from a convention staff. I always assume that I'm going to have to go and pay somebody mm-hmm. to do a bunch of things that I need done and then be done with it. Right. I didn't have to do any of that. They were super, super altruistic and ready to help. Right. And uh, that's that's what really impressed me about the convention, as well as just the number of people. I figured, you know, three, four hundred people. Right. Mm, got it. When you get there and there's 1,600 people that are registered mm-hmm. and another 150 people that registered during the week. That was FinCon in, da- in downtown Dallas. That convention hotel, also spectacular. Uh, the support staff inside the hotel. Wow. I, 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 always, I always hear the nightmare stories about people and support staffs inside of hotels, mm-hmm. but I never hear anybody give the people the due that they're supposed to get. Uh, these people were stellar. The restaurants, outstanding. The concierge people really had their game on, and I always appreciate that. And which hotel was it, Mike? This was the Sheridan in downtown. Kudos right to the downtown. Sheridan. Yeah. I yeah. uh, had a chance to see Dealey Plaza. Had a chance to see a whole bunch of really, really great Dallas uh, landmarks and mm-hmm. hallmarks. And uh, it was a great week. It was awesome. A great week. Anyway, my thanks to everybody at the FinCon staff. And again, my special thanks to Steve Stewart for securing that contract. All right, so enough of the housekeeping, enough talk about financial blogging and podcasting. It's time, finally, for the two guys talking Star Wars perspective review of Star Wars, also known as A New Hope, 1977, directed by George Lucas. The hype. What was coming, where we saw it, and what you remember from the initial viewing. And when I say initial viewing, I'm not talking about any of the special event remaster, Mm-mm. more let's add more right. special effectsness. I'm talking 1977, either inside of a theater or inside of uh, a, a baby stroller where mm-hmm. Pat would have been when this movie was put out. Right. I mean, we have to date ourselves and go back. I was nine years old at the time. Right. I was in awe, just even by the, the trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I remember my father saying, you know, hey, look at this new movie that was coming out. Because it was just unlike anything that had been out at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you'd go back and you could look at, uh, I guess, other space movies and things like that. But apparently this was just so cutting edge. I remember getting into the theater and I was just in awe. The special effects, which, you know, the uh, Lucas was known for, the uh, just the even uh, new concepts and stuff. But it was one of those movies that I saw inside of the theater with my dad and it was just something that I never forgot. It was uh, that impressive of a movie. Now, that's from a nine-year-old perspective, but as I still go back and watch it today, I still get that same feeling. Uh, the sense of nostalgia that you're talking about is what is a giant hallmark of this film. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how old you are. Right. The, the first time that you've seen Star Wars, even if it was ten years ago, you're going to remember where you were the first time you saw Star Wars. It's one of those things. Right. It's yeah. also <clears throat> a giant reason of why we always get the question, where is the perspective review for it, Pat? Um, right. So I was four and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I probably have no idea what I was doing as four and a half. But I do remember <laughs> when we went to see um, Empire, they had the, the screening because it was, you got to see Star Wars then Empire. So we went to that one. Oh, wow. So I did get to see it in the movie theater. And like you said, it's just it was incredible to see in the movie theater. It's one of those films when you see it, 
it doesn't do any justice if you see it at home. And I can right. just remember sitting back to back watching that, and then Empire is just awesome. You know, yep. you, you can see, but even if you know and you've already seen the movie, you're still anticipating the right. start of the movie. That classic you know, the, intro, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You also mentioned 1983, which was kind of the beginning of the very first ebbs of movies available at home via either Betamax right. or VHS. So right. another really great time to think about in time. I was a newly minted seven years old. I was mm-hmm. born in April. This was in May. Mm-hmm. And I remember it vividly that year, mostly because it's when my parents broke up and got divorced. Mm-hmm. And so, not so strangely, here was a movie about a young boy who's forced into being a man earlier than he needed to be. And mm-hmm. so, there was a lot of gravitas and a lot of huge pathos in regard to what was happening on the screen for me as the newly minted seven-year-old inside of 1977 as well. Do you, do you remember which theater you saw this movie at, Chris? I do not. I, I can tell you that... Uh so, you know, I was originally born in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, because of my dad's uh, work, we moved from Cleveland. We, we uh, were in Columbus. We went to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But we were fresh into St. Louis, Missouri in 1977. That's when we moved to uh, St. Peter's, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of the geography back then. There was nothing hardly in St. Peter's, Missouri mm-hmm. back in 1977. I mean, it was still very rural. Might have been a gas station. And there was, you know, we, well, in we had, well, in, yeah. the, in the middle <laughs> of the Me- Mexico Road was gravel and they had a Spalding Racquetball Club venture, and Venture, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So awesome. <clears throat> um, awesome. there was probably one theater, and that was probably where we went and saw it. I couldn't tell you where that theater was. But I know that they still had some drive-ins. Interesting. We had some right. fun. We had some yeah. fun playtime with Pat trying to figure out where the hell you were. Right. Yeah. I'd actually text my mother to see where <laughs> even I was even in 1977. So yeah, I actually we had moved to New Melly in 1976, the mm-hmm. great town that it is, very populated. It's <clears throat> a little more populated now. Right. Yeah. But I do remember drive-ins. Drive-ins were a big thing in that time. So it could have been possible I might have been yeah. in the back seat in a drive-in you sleeping. Know, I, I would have I killed know. to see this in a drive-in. That'd have been, yeah, that, that would have been, been awesome. awesome. Yeah. There are so very few drive-ins that are left. We'll actually link to a website that actually lists them all online, okay. just so that if you've got one inside your state, you can go and see what they're showing. And right now, I'll tell you, anybody that's got a drive-in, they do awesome deals to get your ass in oh, the yeah. seats. Mm-hmm. They really do go out of their way. Uh, just sadly, most of them are dying. If you've not been out to mm-hmm. one, be sure to check out the listing that we'll have over at our website. Again, that's two guys talking starwars.com. Uh, me, as a seven year old, I was at the Woodfield Mall Theater. Woodfield Mall okay. was the largest mall on planet Earth back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was gargantuan. Well, at least your planet. <clears throat> right. Well, right. no, seriously. It was the world's largest mall. It had a, it had a car dealership inside of it. And what city were you in? Uh, Woodfield, just outside of Schaumburg, instead of uh, Schaumburg, Illinois. Oh, okay. Okay. And you know it was monster. It's it's. Okay. It, I, I remember the, uh, the the bike marathons that were held in the parking lot of this place. I gotcha. mean, it's just crazy, uh, crazy huge place. It's not nearly as big as it felt back then. Now, yeah, sure, but it's because there are so many more towering malls right. that are much much bigger. <clears throat> right. But we saw it inside that uh, the the theater. It was a freestanding theater outside. There were lines wrapped twice around the building to see this movie. It was a three theater movie theater, okay. and all three screens were showing Star Wars. Wow. So awesome. wrap twice twice around. I don't remember what the line keeping was. I'm certain that there wasn't any. Oh well, yeah, probably, yeah, <laughs> right. And exactly. So it was, it, the fast the faster you can butt in line, you probably got in first. Right. 
Um, do you remember anything of what the crowd did during this movie at all? I don't have any memories of that. I was I, nine. I was just in awe at the yeah. screen. I couldn't tell you who was doing yeah. what around me, but I was just amazed I, by the movie. I, I know that I wasn't paying nearly <clears throat> enough attention to the crowd, and it's just because that right. I'm way more geared to that now than I was back then. Right. But I don't remember any crowd stuff. Uh, we started talking briefly in the, in the prelude about what do you remember before the movie came out? And I know that I've seen a trailer, which we'll link inside the show notes to this, but I, I, I can't remember it. I, I can only, I, we can pull it up on YouTube. And yep. I remember that, but I don't remember it. I remember the trailer and uh, a portion of the trailer with uh, with the ships, the ship coming overhead, that classic uh, mm-hmm, the, intro, yeah. and uh, just that being so impressive. It was yeah. like nothing I'd ever seen before. But then again, I was only nine. And then post that, I remember... I remember watching one Academy Awards or something like that where, you know, they featured uh, featured Star Wars. And I don't remember if it was the first movie or if it was the second, but that was another vivid memory that I had from childhood about these movies. I was so drawn in by the story and such at nine that uh, I couldn't wait, you know, for the next one to come yeah. out. The, the story in lightsabers is what got me about <clears throat> Star Wars. That and Darth Vader. I, sure. Oh yeah. I, I know that I'm way on. I know that I'm way on the different part of a rung in regard to who is your favorite character inside of Star Wars. It's easy for me. It's Darth Vader. Yeah. And the reason is because of his presence and the the memories that Darth Vader solicits from this very first movie. Incredibly powerful. Do what you want. Everybody will fall in line. That and written as a straight line. There, yeah. there. He he was a straight line throughout the entire story, until you got towards the end where there are question marks when he starts asking questions about his feeling the presence of Obi-Wan and then the force is strong with this one towards the end instead of the last part of the film so it was a a very interesting piece and that's the one thing I remember of hype was the the look of Darth Vader where it was kind of this gas mask football Mm -hmm. helmet thing that I'd never seen before right and he was a towering figure I'd have to say you know looking back on it my perception as a as a nine-year-old the the movie had everything that a classic good versus evil movie has Mm -hmm. you know it had the it had the uh the uh younger hero it had the you know good-looking girl heroine you know and uh you know and then it had the evil villain Mm -hmm. and then coupled with all these other characters kind of side characters I was just enthralled because yeah. it, it, it touched upon everything that entertained me within a movie. It, so I, I, I think of it like you know, <clears throat> you know, you know sword the, sword play and yeah. you know and uh, and I, I classic fights and, and well, add in a space battle that you know nobody nobody had really done up to that point. Not like that. Yeah, and well when I say a just, janitor's key ring right. that's kinda of what I consider this movie. Yeah. It's got every single thing you need ever want as a kid. Want. Especially as a kid, right? Yeah. Yep. Inside of this film, it's all in one key ring. All you got to do is grab the key and you put it in the right. in the door, and it opens up the door to space battles. Right. It opens up the door to good versus evil. It right. Opens up the all door kinds to of creatures, droids, creatures. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the in the comedy relief that they had, and some of the one liners and things like that, yeah. which you didn't really pick up on, on as a kid, but still laughed. And right. Yeah. That's actually where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of the hype inside of Star Wars 1977, directed by George Lucas? Let us know what you think by going to our website. Remember, that's twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us, what do you remember about the hype inside of 1977's Star Wars? 
money. Ah, the money question I love to ask all of my co-hosts because you guys are all so adept and get the numbers right every single time. It is amazing. <clears throat> I don't know about that. Uh, maybe not. Okay. In fact, you usually get it wrong, which is the most entertaining part of every single <laughs> perspective review. What we're looking for is the first number is the domestic take of the original Oof. 1977 Star Wars. Not... Not all. all of the repress, now time to enjoy the new special effects and storyline put in by George Lucas. But over time, up till today. Over time, until today, the original Star Wars. And that's, Chris's answer is? That's really hard to say. I mean, because initially, back when that movie came out, I'm sure it made a bundle compared to other movies, but it's nothing like what movies make like today. Now, yeah. So I've got to remember, too, that they brought it back out mm -hmm. a number of times. Oh, and I've got a, I'll, <clears> I'll give you a little cheat. I have a, a second number for the re-release. So I do have a number for that, too. Re-release. And yeah, I'll tell you what, give me a hint. Tell me when, what date the re-release came back out. The re-release that I have showcased here is 2004. 2004. Okay, so I'm going to guess that it brought in, this is ticket sales and just ticket sales and DVDs and stuff I, like that. I've always been curious as to what Box Office Mojo provides in that regard. I'm going to assume that it is initial box <clears throat> office take, to date box office take for the original movie, and everything that is uh, a DVD style. So then I'm going to say uh, $500 million. $500 million? Okay. And how about you, Pat? I'll go four twenty-five. Four twenty-five. All right. So you shot the middle. Pat's low. Chris is high. The number is four hundred and sixty million dollars. Wow, we were mm, closer yeah, than I thought we did. Yeah. Which, which is about sixty percent of the take. The foreign intake for the original Star Wars is three hundred and fourteen million dollars, for a total of seven hundred and seventy-five million dollars worldwide wow. to date. Now, that doesn't really sound like a whole bunch of money, that's frankly. That's a ton of money yeah. for a movie made back in 77. 77. Right. Right. And, and that's what I always want to impress yeah. upon people is the numbers that we're talking about here. When I say $460 million, you go, oh, so the making costs for the most recent Avengers film. Right. Okay, yes, but mm -hmm. 40 years ago, right. yeah. when we say $460 million. When that movie cost we're what, less GDP. than a million to yeah. make. Yeah. Right? Well, I read something, so James Earl Jones... Mm -hmm. He did, wasn't credited in the original movie. He didn't want to type, but he got paid a whopping $7,500 for his yeah. voiceover. So yeah. you can tell they didn't spend the money on the, the, <laughs> the actors or the... <laughs> right. Well, and that was the whole thing, too. That one, one of the things that I really do love and is totally endearing still today about George Lucas is his undeniable guerrilla filmmaking want when he was a kid right mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it he would go grab a camera he would find interesting places to shoot he'd get someone that would call themselves an actor and he would shoot the movie mm -hmm. and i really do i miss that i miss there being that completely unedited polish that was only him a camera right. and a staff of people making not totally relying everything cgi right blah, blah, right blah. right and, and just getting the shot done and clearly that's what was being done back then so mm -hmm. it could get done Mm -hmm. I miss that hunger inside of most modern-day films. Uh, the second number that I promised, of course, is the 2004 release that was 20 years later. Mm -hmm. And so that's... Oh, and so that's... I'm sorry, that's 1997. So it's 20 years later, 1997. The special edition release mm -hmm. provided 20 years later. Domestic take, Pat? Ooh. 250. 250, Chris? 118 million. How do you guys blow this one so big and get so right on the first one? It's because you there. cheated. That's why. <laughs> oh, now I, was I the, understand. I was looking at the foreign take. <laughs> now I understand. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's right. 
<laughs> no, the domestic take for this was $460 million. Oh, so still yeah. a giant. Ask lot me about the foreign take. Yeah. Uh, the foreign take, Chris, any idea? Uh, one, how about $118,648,008? Wow. And eight How did you get that? Yeah, you know that what that last means? ticket though? at it's the end. 20.5%. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that, that means if Pat would not have gone and seen it one more time in, two, in right. 1997, yeah. it would be an even number. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> That's right. All right. So what we're talking about here is more than a, a billion and a half dollars of money from one film, one movie, right? Over the course of history of forty years now, and yep. I, I just I want people to take a moment to understand what that means on a movie that was kind of a lark. Nobody'd seen it really anything right. like it. Yeah. Looking back on it now, it is absolutely a mishmash of different concepts, of different character mm -hmm. uh, paths. Of literally different characters that look different, and then this, uh, there's a whole bunch of cheese that actually is conveyed inside of this that is undeniable. But when you wrap it inside of the science fiction fantasy realm, it all works wonderfully. I, I saw an interesting interview where <clears throat> they they had talked to uh, I think it was Carrie Fisher. They were interviewing her, and she went into uh, they first came out with this movie, and I think she was only 19 years old when she was in this movie. And they mm -hmm. they had gone. They actually the actors actually gone and went into the theater and sat in the theater. With people and watched it, mm -hmm. uh, nobody knew who they were. I mean, they right. were they were they were unknowns. absolutely nobody's right. Unknowns. right, right, right. Uh, that so. and they also <clears throat> like she didn't walk around with buns on her head. Right, you know, she they literally did not look like they, what they look like. Right. Um, I, something else I want everybody to take note too. Harrison Ford, very much like the original Scotty in Star Trek. Do you guys know how old Scotty was in the original Star Trek in 66? He was fairly old. I don't remember. He was in his 30s, maybe? He was in his 40s. 40s, okay. Yeah. And so something else about Harrison Ford is that Harrison Ford... 30, wasn't he? Yeah, because he's now 77. Right, yeah. He was 30 years old. Yeah. Carrie Fisher was 19. I think Mark Hamill was, what, 21? I think he was just 21, yeah. And so the whole thing of Harrison Ford is that, you know, he could kind of go where he wanted to anyways. Right. That's where we ask you guys, what do you guys think of the giant piles of money that Star Wars made both uh, in the original 1977 release, but also inside the special release 20 years later? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking Star Wars, all one word. You can also go over to two guys talking Star Wars.com and find the links to do all of this. The good. Every movie has good. This one's got a bunch. We've got to start with the cast. There are few casts that I can think of, especially th thinking back this far, that go from literal nobodies right. into somebodies right. overnight yeah. in, in the volume that this movie was able to make. Well, and fitting, the, fitting those roles so completely, too. Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford went on to make... A bunch of good movies afterwards. Oh, yeah. um, as far as uh, the others, I don't know. But I mean, in this movie, they fit those roles completely. I mean, it was it it just uh, everything fit together. The dynamic between the group was great. I don't know. I don't know if that was well planned out. They had a great casting director that put them together. But how would you know if they didn't have a career before that? Oh, I it's mean, a it's a giant crapshoot, <clears throat> right? And uh, especially as a, as a new movie made by a guy that essentially had no money. Right. There was money that was acquired from the studio, but right. just money acquired just from the enough, studio. Just enough, yeah. Much, yeah. So <laughs> rolling the bones on people that are coming in to take the role because they look the way they do and yeah. provided an, an effective audition, <clears throat> that's a giant gamble. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's one of the pieces that I find incredibly endearing about filmmaking, but I also know it's one of the most horrifying pieces of filmmaking. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because a lot of times 
goes it, wrong. Yeah. It doesn't it work. A, it absolutely. It's a car wreck, man. All it, it takes is one bad cast, and then mm-hmm. poof, there goes your movie. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of actors today that provide that kind of oomph or thud moment. And mm-hmm. one of them I can think of is Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love me some Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. Ed Norton is the guy from Fight Club. <clears throat> right. He was mm-hmm. also Bruce Banner inside of the second Hulk right. film. <clears throat> He's incredibly powerful. He's incredibly prolific. He is the guy that wants to get into the situations, the, the method actor guy. Mm-hmm. But because he is that guy, it is a, it is a total roller coaster with him. Uh, very often he's very often he's left out right. of the filmmaking process or not given the role mm-hmm. because he also likes to become the director inside of films. Hmm. And that's the doomsday. It's where you want somebody to just shut up and act, and right. now we're going to pause, you're going to go eat your dinner, and then you're going to come back and act, and then you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you can't effectively do that, and now you want to have your pause in all of the control set, okay, well, that's a problem. Sure. And that they didn't get any of that inside of this film. They got what they needed, and then they got the hell out. Even from someone as prestigious as Alec Guinness inside right. of this film. Mm-hmm. It was amazing that they got everything that they needed. <clears throat> The original first experience of watching Star Wars. The three of us were lovingly joking about how many different releases of this film there now are. There's also word now that the original release, i.e. sans special effects, sans all kinds of cool kitty ha-ha, tweak-a-tweak-a humor. On shooting first? Yeah. Will, all it, that, will it be in there? All will that it be in will there? Not, we'll no. see. Shooting they're, first. Well, they're we'll talking see. about. Oh, they're talking about releasing the one where it's not, where it is the original release. That should. Why wouldn't they? Absolutely. It's another way to make money. Right. Can you oh, imagine yes. the Star Wars oh, yeah. fan that wouldn't buy it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So it's coming. It's a matter of time that it's coming. The other cool part is that on uh, YouTube, we'll link up to the pieces, parts that we can find, then you can search for the rest on your own. You can go and see... Uh, both the raw footage just mm-hmm. being shown, but then also in many cases the raw footage versus the new shoots and the special mm-hmm. effects sets. And it's pretty stark. Mm-hmm. You know, the, Oh, yeah. For any of you that think, well, I would watch the new one and I wouldn't know any difference, uh, you're an idiot. Right. Because you would notice a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular inside of the, as you, as you go further throughout the movies into the third film, Return of the Jedi... You will definitively see stuff that you did not remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. That ha- that ha- did not happen in the original. That right. are now in there because of the special effects. We discussed that earlier today. I guess we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. The uh, some of that. So I don't want to bring it up too early. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the those differences, uh, some of those changes really had a tremendous impact and a negative impact. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> when they brought that other one back out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, then when the. First release of '97 one I watched. I mean, then they you know they bring in Boba Fett. Well, no, Boba Fett came in at Empire. Don't bring him into Star Wars, you right? Know, just because. Right. And then the whole Jabba, haha, funny thing. He steps on his tail. I think there's a lot. Now, obviously, all the the space battles were way more you know improved and sure. better. But there were some things that I think a little cheeky humor stuff. Excellent points, and but we'll be uh, talking about that later. So, in other words, Pat, uh, shut up. Right. See, Pat, Pat, we'll hit Pat that later. Pat doesn't. Pat doesn't talk very oh, much. Oh, by the but, way, we're done now. Uh, we've gone ahead. Later and, never we've came. We've gone ahead and silenced him. He's at his word limit. <laughs> word limit. We've got some leftover mummy wrap for for Pat's mouth. <laughs> right. A different context completely after Rogue One. I think this is the value that I get of watching this film now after Rogue One. Sure. Almost immediately because I watched oh, this yeah. the day after we got done recording our last perspective review. Right. And the value and the stair-stepping that this 
this movie now has because of Rogue One yeah. is amazing. Yeah, I it's, think it actually makes it better. Absolutely. I, I don't know if it that's does. possible, but it did for me because I, I did the same thing you did. As soon as I got done, I was like, oh, man, I need to watch. And it was within a, probably a day after doing the yeah. review of Rogue yeah. One, I went and watched it. it right. And it was just like, oh, wow. You it know, gives that. it more depth. Right. Yeah. Not only more depth, but it also helps to flesh out the picture. I think it's the one thing that I really do appreciate that Lucas tried to do with all of the other things that he did, including the prequels, which I think we're going to eventually get to the prequels. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. I I saw some videos today that really do showcase the values of the prequels, because there is some. There is some highlights, sure. There are so many speed bumps to try and go through, and it gives you the the whole whiplash neck. Right. The the gist, though, is that this, this film and Rogue One now churn into an almost five-hour epic. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the cool part is that you don't have to sit through all of it. You can watch Rogue One sitting alone and then begin watching this. And because Rogue One exists now, there is a series of steps that didn't exist before. That's what Lucas has tried to do his entire Star Wars career. Right. With varying levels of success. There are many things that worked that were okay and worked. There are far more things, I think, that didn't work. Right. And I think that's what that's unfortunately what people focus on. But when you consider the stair steps of what was made, especially now with Rogue One mm-hmm. into the original Star Wars, that's what I'm hoping is cooking with right. the new Han Solo's uh, standalone. But Rogue and Rogue One wasn't uh Rogue One felt like the original New Hope. It was uh it it wasn't I guess crafted, censored, uh geared Toward, there weren't any assassin, the assassin kid <clears throat> robots and stuff. Well, that. right, and but it was also it was a tragedy too. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Happy you know, ending. this feel good. You know, necessarily, necessarily this feel good story, but it it was a, it was a great drama. Yeah, and yeah. and that's what I that's what I liked about it, and that's why I think that's why it flows so well into a new hope. For those of you that haven't watched Rogue One. Go back and watch it and listen to the podcast. I think it's it's one of the better, I mean, up toward the top, best oh, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars movies. It's a great puzzle piece. <clears throat> and like I said, it, it it makes the landscape that you get to, that you're allowed to traverse inside this film that mm-hmm. much larger because it's yeah. right there. Absolutely. We're going to link to the entire cast of Star Wars inside the show notes for this episode. Be sure to go check them out again over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. <laughs> the reason I mention this is not because I can remember it verbatim, but it's because this is what we would say every time we wanted to rank on the teachers in the high school hallways. Mm-hmm. We'd wait until we got ragged on by one of the teachers, mm-hmm. and then we'd go, yes, Mr. Delacentry, whatever the dude's name was. And then we'd, we'd continue walking down the hall, and then we'd go, <laughs> we would literally do this. Do your Vader voice. We would. We would go, mm-hmm. Commander, <coughs> bring me the passengers. I want them alive. And we mm-hmm. would just, we'd round Robin, whoever was going to be the guy that said that. And uh, th- there's a whole bunch of things like that from Star Wars that we carried over into high school. And this was why. Mm-hmm. It was the effective, evil voice of the guy with no reason who just wanted to get on us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what, every time I hear this, every time I watch this movie, that's, that's what I think of. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and, you know, I'm guessing the going back to uh, school where, you know, I was, I was in a private Catholic school. So, you know, we had the nuns in the full, the full garb. Black robe. Yes, oh, they were black robe. Yeah, and right. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, there was one. I, I, I didn't think she touched the floor. She just floated along. I, I'll tell you what, I didn't, I did not cross her. Yeah. 
Yeah. It might have had a lightsaber. Lightsaber rulers. Might have got me. Meeting the droids. Yeah, this is a this is an epic part of the movie. And not only is it epic, it is a footprint is the word I want to use, but it's it's like a it's like a time stamp. It's a it is it's a it's a movement and it's embossed. It's embossed in the fabric of this movie. It oozes on everybody that we had a conversation about this before too. And for those who are younger who think that droid is a cell phone, the word (laughs) droid I don't think was created before Star Wars. Can you think of well android. that's where it you came think, from. You oh, think? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's. Right. I don't know. I thought. I thought that no. they. I thought that they coined it in this. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the word android is <laughs> where they ripped droid from. Probably. That's a total guess. It's just like saying instead of C3PO and somebody goes, "Hey, 3PO," it's same thing. Or yeah. like you know, "Hey, Christopher." Nobody well, calls well, you Christopher. Well, prior prior to this movie, <laughs> that was movie. that was it was not a it was not a uh, a well known a well known word. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I agree with that. I agree but, with that. Um, the other thing that it made, though, is these two droids are not sidekicks. No. Everybody no. wants to call Independent characters. C-3PO and R2-D2 sidekicks inside of right. this series, in particular these three films. Right. You're out of your mind. Right. These are these are legitimate standalone characters, right. including the character that only whistles. Right. Right. And that's, that's where I, I get back to things that Chris and I always talk about inside reviews, regardless of what Ilka is, is the importance of character development. Yes. If you can develop a dude that does nothing but whistle throughout nine hours oh, yeah. of film, yeah, what? And he's beloved. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's, she's better than beloved. And he still shows emotion. <clears throat> it does whistling, right. you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's amazing stuff. It's deep, deep character development, mm-hmm. and that's what kills me when somebody, especially in a television show, let's say over the course of thirteen episodes inside of anywhere, whether it's a streaming online episode, whatever. Or it's a television show. Mm-hmm. When you have 13 hours of development and you can't do it right at all, mm-hmm. we can whistle a droid down the street and everybody's happy. Right, right. I don't. I do not get that. Well, and that, and develop and yeah. develop that into a major character. Like you said, these aren't like sidekicks. This is a major character that, in my opinion, has uh, a major function in the plot. Yeah. Not only in the plot, but in the fabric of the series. Right. Again, it's, we're 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 a signature a signature of this entire franchise. Yeah. The, this re, this review is being done in prelude to the upcoming 2017 release of the Last Jedi. Right. It really does. We're going to see even more color. Right. Come out inside of the vision of what droids are inside this next movie. Yep. So it, the the droids are not sidekicks. They're not moving accoutrement that just provides some doodad technology inside of the story that's not what these characters are no and there's a checkbox that you have to go down inside any star wars movie and one of those checkboxes is the droids. droids yeah you have to have them yeah. right pat if you had to pick one of the two which one are you picking r2d2 are you why oh yeah c3po just Drug nag me yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd just nag 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 yeah and always throwing out useless information i get enough of that at work yeah you know, so have, have you have you seen an r2 droid <laughs> in person yeah mm-hmm. you have okay yeah yeah Okay, and, and they're singularly impressive. In oh, fact, yeah. there's an entire group that we'll link to in the show notes that oh, yeah. does nothing but build R2 units. Yeah, any it's any wizard, wizard world you go to, they have that, that group there, and they usually have some of theirs, you know, in fully done and half done. You know, it's just pretty I, cool to see. And I have to confess, for a long time, I didn't know there was a guy in that thing. I did not know that they actually put an actor yeah, well, inside they, they, the droid. Yeah, well, they've got they've got different gloves, for lack of a better term, where a dude will fit inside. Yep. Kenny Baker. 
right. Maker right. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. But then they've also just got fully mechanized ones so they can do whatever they want. Right. You're part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away. Of course, this is the second line that we would use, and we would try to say it as fast as humanly possible so that the teachers never knew ex- what we were exactly saying. Of course, because you know, they... Of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away! Because they never saw that movie. No, most no, <laughs> most of them didn't. They weren't cool enough. They had no idea what we were saying, but that was yet another thing that we screamed inside the halls. Man, that was just too rich. Absolutely. The Wonder of Tatooine. Sand and two sons. And that is one of the most recognizable oh, yeah. things Definitely. Off the, off in the, the movie. Yeah. And Iconic. memorable things yeah. as a kid. Yeah. yeah. The two I, sons. That right away, that was, you knew it was where like, they were wow. Yeah. Total iconography and this scene alone, especially as my parents are splitting literally that, that spring, that was me looking at the sun, what does my future hold? Mm-hmm. That's, that, that that picture and then the dun 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 right. dun dun, dun, dun right. which we'll talk about the soundtrack is something we're going to hit huge inside the second portion of this absolutely huge giant overtones uh, that they go back to Tatooine so many times during oh, all yeah. of the films yeah. it is just so much fun because it is a touchstone inside of films that I think are missing right. from huge television fran- yeah. television and movie franchises right being to have a, a home base literally that we go back to is awesome and they do it with Tatooine right the Jawas how small and cute can be done effectively right this could have been really cheesy oh and, oh, and yeah. terribly yeah when you consider the horror of what eventually became of the Ewoks, the Ewoks oh yes you look at what they did with the Jawas and it's perfect right it was just right. enough it, it, it wasn't too much yeah it was just it, enough you know it, to it, depict it, these uh scavengers I mean right. even even down to the detail mm-hmm. of it went into you know a little bit of background with them they outlined, you know, the, how they were scavengers, but they worked them into the plot and an essential portion of the plot. Huge, to, huge right. portion. To further the droids. You, yeah. know, you know what's funny, too? Now going back to this after we've done so many more CopsWatch.com episodes, when I look at this, th- there's almost a detective trail to follow inside of this film. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the death of the aunt and uncle, right. whether it's the actual discovery of where did the droids go, mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting police elements that actually occur inside of this film. There's only one that I really made note of. We'll get to it here in just a little bit. But I, I didn't realize that now until just now as we're, as we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Because the, the tracking of anything is oh, all yeah. deductive reasoning. Yeah, right. And you see a ton of it being done here, and it is science fiction, but it's all got that, that neat foundational piece of reality that right. keeps you grounded. And the, you know, it was, it's just another piece of Tatooine and what they wanted to project was this uh, this diverse blending of culture where they had all these different... I mean, you look if you look at everything that's on Tatooine, the variety of different species and so on and so forth, where you've got the Jawas and the Sand People and that, and nothing's throwaway. It's not just something I threw in that doesn't go anywhere, that doesn't mean anything. It's all about context. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even, even if it's something where, okay, this alien was, insert history of that alien, blah, 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 whatever, it all had context. Whether or not it was relayed to somebody watching it didn't yeah. matter. Right. But something was put in there and it actually had a puzzle piece place right. rather than let's just throw more crap inside the screen and see what happens. Right. I, I really appreciate that about this film. And it, it that happens, I think, inside of every scene. Whether it's something as super exciting as what's going on inside of Mos Eisley, mm-hmm. or it's watching rows and rows of stormtroopers march in unison. Right. right. It, it, it's all there, and it's all there with purpose. Right. The Sand Speeder. 
vehicles are floating car, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And <clears throat> and it's right up there. When whenever you say, remember the movie with the flying car in it? Right. Well, everybody thinks Back to the Future. Of right. Course. Right. But this was the first, first flying, flying car. car absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that was def- that was the first vehicle I had to get to. Was the right. I mean, absolutely. Without a doubt. Sand yeah. This right. floating sand car. That's, that's right. where Luke was driving around in. You know, you yeah, had to get that. Right. It was amazing. I also remember the toy. The toy had recessed wheels. Right. So that you could actually drive it, and unless you got down to the ground level. You couldn't actually see how it was actually right. floating. Right. And it was actually floating. I yeah. swear, it really right. was floating. Right. No, really. It was floating. It was. Really. Right. I just, I, I could only fit, I think, two characters in it, though, right? To the action figures. Yes. Right. So. Oh, and only two. Right. And only two. And it's funny that you bring up the, the action figures. Uh, we're going to talk about it more in just a bit. You mean old Ben Kenobi? You know, this was one thing that I never, I never understood, you know, even <laughs> as a kid, because... They, uh, here comes the deductive reason. Well, it was. It was. Take here's, the blue pill, Chief. Take here, the blue pill. Here's the nine-year-old detective. So there's... there's <laughs> This is going to be interesting. I want to hear well, this. Me too, man. Well, Where's the, the popcorn pack? Popcorn. It, it wasn't... Popcorn. So I wasn't, I wasn't that uh, advanced in my investigative technique back then. However, if you... He gets the droid, and he's got the hologram on the droid, and it says... Help me, Obi-Wan you know, Kenobi. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, you know, he's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, could he mean Ben Kenobi? I'm like, you think? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the name's nearly the same. <laughs> you don't know that, there. though. There, that could have been a popular name on Tatooine. Was it the Kenobis oh, that you. lived down the street, you know, down there? Oh, or were yeah. the ones right behind? I mean, come on. You I kind of got the know. impression there was only one. He was insane, and he lived in the desert. <laughs> insane and lived in the I desert. I mean, we... Down by the river. Not, not something that we haven't <laughs> dealt with in our line of work, but, you know, I mean... We get it. There is anyway. A, there is an excellent video that I will link to on the inner tubes <laughs> that I found today while I was doing some research. And it is essentially things like what you just referred to. Like, okay, there's two Jedis that are left after <clears throat> Order 66. Right. All right. So it's Yoda mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Yoda goes and gets lost on the planet that has absolutely no availability to radar or any kind of right. scanning activity. Right. That's a pretty good move, yeah. you know, for yeah. the little tiny green guy that right. can't Smart. hardly yeah. run. That's right. awesome. Okay, and uh, what does Ben do? He goes back to Anakin Skywalker's home world. <laughs> and live next to the aunt and uncle. Right. In the <laughs> desert. And leave his name. Here's, here's my other, he didn't really change his name. That's, well, that's my <laughs> other, here's my other plot hole, too, though. Luke Skywalker. He's not going to change his name from Skywalker? I mean, are we not going to pick up that? Wait a minute. Luke Skywalker's Skywalker. just like Jones. My name used to be Anakin Skywalker. I wonder if... Nah, not that coincidence. It's got to be just another Skywalker. Right. Yeah, I mean, Vader didn't have access to the database. Right. Google. Yeah, he didn't Google yeah. him up. I don't yeah. know. Uh-huh. Facebook. Galaxy far, far away, man. I don't know. The death of those that mean everything. My first burned bodies. This, I remember this vividly. Me too. It's a graphic scene at uh, ultra, nine years old. Ultra crispy, uh, but, done, but, but done tastefully. But that's I what I was wondering you. too, because I obviously I didn't see the original. I saw the '97 version, and, and it was pretty, you know, gory. And I, it was. was that the same in the '77 version yes. or not? Yeah, was it? Yeah, it's that yeah. crunchy okay. black skeleton. Right, and you just saw those two skeletons, kind of pointing to the fire extinguisher right. on the pole outside. Okay, yeah, because that was my biggest thing. Is I wonder if that was actually in the original. I yeah, mean, I couldn't it was. remember. So yeah, it was there. Yeah. It was there. We're going to talk about some other things that have the same style value, but this was the first time I remember seeing, quote, a burned body and, you know, smoke coming off of a fully intact skeleton. Right. Uh, it's horrific. It's, it's horrific set, regardless yeah, of the and it, it For me, it set the tone of how evil 
the bad guys were. Right. And yes. that's what you want to do in yes. in a film. If you you want to set your villain up to be a really bad guy, and yeah. that right there set it right away. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it really gets down to the concept. I remember the first time I heard the words "scorched earth." This is the concept of scorched earth. Right. Commander, find them. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Burn it down. Find them. Where do they go? I don't know. We're going to find them. We're going to burn everything on our path. Right. That's exactly what happened here. Right. That's why, that's why eventually as we start to go on inside the films, you'll note that the the cartoony, completely irrelevant, incompetent stature of the stormtroopers is kind of not a good thing. Right. No. Because the, the ones with the long rifles and the leather shoulder patch, mm -hmm. obviously they were the ones that came here and burned the place to the ground. Right. Right. Because the other guys are busy being idiots. Right. right. And we'll talk about the long rifled stormtroopers in a little bit too, but... That's the peril of showing that not only can the stormtroopers not do anything effectively, but they can't shoot straight. That was the, yeah. the, the teeter-totter. Right. But I do have to mention, backing up to the investigative side of Ben Kenobi, the scene <laughs> prior to that where they go up to the... Uh, sand crawler. The sand crawler, yeah, right? With the dead and, Jawas. And with the dead Jawas, and they, you know, Luke believes that it's the sand people, and he says, no, these precision blaster marks are too precise for seeing people mm -hmm. right. and there was and something with the he deducts the, that they don't it's something else what was it they else. don't walk side by side or something there was something other something different yeah, the, to where straight line the, right yeah. Yeah. yeah so to cover the numbers right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that's another aspect so. that is actually brought up inside of prequels as well where both obi-wan and qui-gon jinn they do have absolute deductive reasoning skills right and, and i like it and the, yeah that they're that they're, that they're pulling that through into this that's the fun of Lucas is that he he's always said that I had these other stories in my mind beforehand and I, mm -hmm. that this is not the platform to debate that no but if he did then this is awesome right right because it's that little bit of deductive reasoning that's left in Obi-Wan crazy brain yeah to still carry through inside of all of this and it's right. it's perfect right magical corridor art everywhere I love this there are two in particular that I always remember from this film. One is every time they're inside the Millennium Falcon, following anybody as they're running through the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. the, the pieces I remember specifically are after the two stormtroopers and the, the G-Money with the little tiny hat go out after looking for whoever's inside the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. And you can see the hallway as it curves around and they've got those white packs on the, on the right. ribs of the hallways. Right. That's the first <clears> one I remember. The second one I remember is inside the jail where they're rescuing the princess and that super long corridor oh, yeah. right. that they have inside of that one. Right. That is a giant hallmark of Star Wars for me. Those sure. super long, yeah. ultra science fiction-y looking corridors. Yep. I love it, and they're so wonderfully used inside of this film. Absolutely. It, it's probably a detail perhaps that you could overlook, but because they've paid attention to so much of the detail in those things... I think it's uh, it's another signature mark. Yeah, yeah. The grit of the original. Vader's helmet, 3PO. The textures are everywhere. Yeah, and that's the, one of the first things I noticed. If you notice when you first see the droids, they're not like shiny and all brand new. They're like beat up. There's marks all over them. Even I mean, after 3PO in his oil bath. Right. It's still, they still it, look grimy. It's real. It, right, right. It, that, that, the textures <coughs> that are used, the real stuff look it's a dude in a suit right 
the, I, I can't ascribe enough value to that and why it matters inside of these first three films when they are used and then how they are not really enhanced when they were enhanced right. in the later films. And what was right. cool was, I mean, think about it. It was in the 70, you know, 77 in it, and they made this look like, man, this is, this is a real used droid. He's been out in battles, and it was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. R2-D2's shell when he's inside of the original ship and his head is scooting around. Go back and look at that, whether it's, it doesn't matter which edition. Right. The one that I found had actually more pre uh, presence, especially stage presence, were the YouTube videos that I watched mm -hmm. this afternoon for research. You go back and look at those original ones, dude, mm -hmm. just all kinds of beat up that right. you don't really remember until you go back and see it. But that, I think that was intentional. And, oh, yeah, and, and because it, uh, it fit the pacing of that movie i mean that that's a, a good classic example of pacing mm -hmm. where you have the look of this droid that's weathered or beat up or whatever because of the environment that he's been in and if you recall at the very end where they clean him up he does look all shiny and, mm -hmm. and cleaned up for right. the award ceremony right. but that's that's well, classic a, that that is that is that is great doing, right? that is great yeah. pacing yeah 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 and it's it's again closing the loops that you always talk about opening and then closing. Right. It's 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 transformative storytelling, taking the base elements of endearing characters, opening loops, closing loops, and showing you the door. Right. That's effective movie storytelling. Mos Eisley, the glory of stormtroopers with long rifles. I can remember vividly the first time I got my stormtrooper with a long rifle action figure. Yep, was, he on, was he on the dewback? He was no, no, no. He wasn't on the dewback. No, he was not oh. on the dewback. This no. was the, the the very first stormtrooper yep. long rifle that you could get. You actually had to send in proof of purchases oh. of other figures yep. to get it because it just came with the the standard rifle. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Right. The one that you got though was you'd come back and he had a um, he had the tan leather strap on his on his arm and then he had this kick ass long rifle yeah. like the ones that they shot yeah. right. at most Eisley. Right. Yeah. The second mail-in figure, in case you guys didn't get the second mail-in figure because I did, was Yoda with an orange snake. Oh, I did get that one in the, okay. yeah, in the claw. Yeah, that, that's the claw. from the next yep, film. Right. I, I wasn't yep. sure I wanted to bring it up, but yep. I wanted to make sure yep. we talked about it. Yep. But the okay. um, and then the original, I remember the yeah, I had I had most of the original figures. Uh, Darth Vader had the lightsaber the that was in his hand, lightsaber? and you would push it up, and the red blade would extend through his hand. I have that. I have the Luke. I have the Ben. You still have they yours. They all have capes. Yep, I have they them have, all. Yeah, they all have capes. Yeah. I have them all. And I have to thank my dad because after I, air quotes, moved out when I was 19. Kept them. He kept them. Yeah. And mine, I'm so thankful that he did because I would have mine sold were, those sons uh, of bitches. Mine were like <laughs> were awesome. buried in the mud somewhere. I mm -hmm. think I shot a couple of them with a BB gun. Uh, who knows where they ended up? Mm -hmm. They're probably worth gazillions See, of dollars these days. That, but that's they're good. They're gone. Wars they're gone. Oh my god! Pat's showing me a picture on his phone of his current house, and next to his marriage certificate is a giant <laughs> series of. <laughs> Right. Figurines. That's actually in the deepest, darkest bowels of the basement. <laughs> only the only place my wife would let me keep my action figures. That's cool that so. you get to display yours. I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The next time when we come back in to record the uh, perspective review of Empire, I will bring my Darth Vader bust action figure holder set. I, I have go. one also. <laughs> you can bring yours in and we'll compare right. them. Though. Oh, wow. Look at that. You know, if, if Pat's comfortable, we will take this cacophony of 
way too much money and time spent. Oh, and right. And we, right. we will post it online somewhere that you'll never find it because it's amazing. Under wow. I'm a nerd.com. Right. <laughs> that is amazing, Pat. That is absolutely cool. Uh, anyway, the, the, the goal here is to talk about not only the figures that we had that was the, the long-rifled stormtrooper, but also the glory of the long-rifled stormtrooper, i.e. these were the guys, with the exception of being completely mind-controlled, mm -hmm. that felt like they actually had some skill set because sure. they had the long rifles. Right. The guys in most Eisley are not the guys to screw with, unless, right. of course, you've got Jedi mind tricks. Right. I appreciate that they were, even before the stormtroopers in black armor that we saw in Rogue One, they were able to establish another echelon of Stormtrooper inside of Star Wars. Jedi mind tricks and the people that could use them now. I made this bullet point specifically so that our master crafting crisis negotiator, Pat, that's funny because could tell that's us what, about that's, how you actually do use Jedi that, mind tricks when you're talking That's to exactly people. what, and it's funny because that, that's what some people do when we're actually on them. Hey, we, we're not going to fall for your Jedi mind tricks. And it's <laughs> funny, I've heard that several times. It's like, well, no, we're not actually using Jedi mind tricks, but in, in a way we kind of are. Yeah. You know, just, it, but it's more like tactics stuff. And, you know, it's, a, it's using the active listening skills where it, they almost believe that we're actually using something on their, you know, mind. So, yeah, it was funny because as soon as I saw that, that's exactly what I thought because I've heard it before. So Yeah. One, I, I, see, I think that you would because the in addition to the basic deductive reasoning that you're going to get inside of Jedi training, mm -hmm. I would think that some really super fundamental psychological aspects right. of how to interact with people would also be up there on the skill set. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, that, again, it, it's not where I'm ready to call the Jedi the cops of the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away people. Right. But it's interesting that some of those tenants are still there. Sure. Right. They foster the good side of law. And it's funny because when I see when I see the, the stormtrooper, when they do the, these aren't the droids you're looking for, I, I throw it into negotiation. It's like, so, sir, you sound like you're angry. You're frustrated that you can't find these droids. And it'd be the same thing. You know? Yes. And, yeah, And throw absolutely. my negotiator spiel at them and it'd be my Jedi mind trick. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Oh, and, and I love that. Every time that I think of that, I think clearly of you. And that's why I put this bullet point in there, because I wanted to make sure people understand that there's there's a lot more of real-world stuff that goes into crafting sure. something oh, that absolutely. is yeah. in and, and, a, a and you know what? Early away. 70s is when kind of it all started yeah. going, too, so yeah. it's, it's pretty much coinciding the, the time period. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Again, being able to take real-world aspects of what happens, not only just inside of law enforcement, but inside of real life, and throwing it in here as a piece of the mishmash of Star Wars, mm -hmm. that's the fun of reviewing this stuff. Right. The escape pod of the cantina. I, I didn't realize until just now that I used the word escape pod, and there is an escape pod moment inside this scene as well when 3PO and R2 are escaping the blockade runner. Um, that's not what I'm referring to here. What I'm referring to is you enter into the cantina, you are in a completely different world. Oh, I, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's the first time I remember being transported inside of a movie as a child. Yeah. Where you... It, it was almost like, you're not supposed to actually be here. Right, right. When that dude says, we don't serve their kind here. Right. You almost like sit up in your seat and go, oh, he's talking to me. Right. And I love that, that the atmosphere that's painted inside of that, the the different ilk of creatures that you see. Right. The violence that exists inside of this room that you're not supposed oh, right. to be in. Right. I thought that that was transformative inside this The room. music. No, the music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the music and to round that out to the band and what the band looked like playing the music it's still a signature thing too when you hear that oh yeah once you hear that <clears> tune, <throat> you, you know, it's you're back cantina. in that cantina yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, ripped off from a 50s american bandstand by the way really? I don't know if you knew was that it or not. i did not, not know that yeah yeah, yeah. 
the worst bolo execution in science fiction history. <laughs> For those of you that are unfamiliar with the word bolo, Chris, want to fill us in? Uh, be on the lookout. Right, bolo. And the worst one ever is looking for a gold droid, a completely gold shiny droid, and a shorter silver and blue droid walking together slowly across the desert. Yeah. Screwed the pooch on that one without, well, yeah, without I mean, question. I mean, I don't know what the Imperial Academy includes as far as <laughs> investigative classes. Imperial Academy. Not so good. Not not so well, good. Probably not. Weren't they well hidden? I mean, didn't they have dis- oh, wait, they didn't even have disguises for the droids. No. I mean, you know. Would you mind going and getting the Halloween costume for R2 quick? I mean, right, we, yeah. and you know, we whacked a to bunch a, of jobs and went through something. A robe? Could they thrown Kenobi's robe over his This is my moving sack of potatoes. Please pay no please pay no attention to this droid. That's awesome. Yeah, that was that was pretty weak. Plus with uh you know, with all the criminals that they had on that planet nobody turned them in for a bounty i don't know right 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 and we're going to get to something very interesting about that too as i was watching this the first of many severed arms that i'd seen and how quickly everything goes back to normal well they're probably used to that kind of thing obviously in that dive they were used to that you know i mean but as a you're assuming that that's anything different than what we see inside of modern day culture right but as a as a as a nine-year-old back in 77 that was like Oh my gosh, that guy's arm got cut off. I guess that thing really was sharp. Let's be honest, though. That guy had it coming to him for what happened back in Rogue One, remember? He did. Yeah, he had it coming. He was a dick back in Rogue One, too. Right, exactly. He He got what he deserved. They travel the universe, and that's what you get if you're going to be that way. You know, it's called karma. But yeah, I. Space karma. But yeah, I did did like that aspect to where, you know, oh, oh, he just cut his arm off. All right, get back to the drink. Yeah, very interesting. And now, you know, all these many years and series and television shows and whatever else later, including films that are now severing arms to pay homage to the arms being severed, the hands being severed inside of what you see as Star Wars. Just an amazing path of destruction in its wake. Right. (laughs) This film is crafted based on this first initial scene. The cop's perspective on Han Solo. All right, first of all, Chris, Han or Han? Han. Okay, Pat? Oh, definitely Han. Han Han. Solo. Okay, all right. Now, this is where I I have to ask you because there's two people whom which I always put on the utmost top level of integrity, and they're sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so, as the top most integrity people I know, your thoughts on Han Solo, Pat? Well, obviously, he's a smuggler. I mean, he's he's out for himself. He's he's the guy that, the only reason he got involved was because of money. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason he's doing it. This is he wants money. He's got to pay off his debts, and we all know he shot first. So you know, come on, you know, what kind of a guy is that? And you know, but you still you still like his character. You know, you, even though you know, oh, he's just doing this for the money. Oh, now he's just rescuing this princess because he thinks there's a reward. You, he keeps going back and back, and then you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm actually starting to kind of like this guy. You know, so it's a scoundrel, right? Without question, right, Chris? Yeah, he's a total criminal. I mean. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, it's it's just it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's not a likable character, but I mean, yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. He, he murdering they, Han Solo. They they went in to this movie, painting him as a criminal smuggler, the bad boy, you know, uh, rogue, outside the, the outside the mm-hmm. lines, mm-hmm. but the smooth talker too. So you appreciated his character, but I mean, yeah. As far as uh, you know, his integrity level. It's not high. I mean, I mean, right. I'm not, I can't paint something that's not there. But, totally but that agree. was that was the uh, some of the reason why he was uh, 
a likable character too because i think people like a story where the bad guy turns a little bit and finds righteousness does the right thing and that's why han solo is such a likable character because you watch him hoping that he's going to turn into the hero go from the criminal the smuggler to the hero and he does the standard in space travel visual production and scene there's literally nothing else to talk about anytime you think about space travel there's one movie that is space travel and it is the original star absolutely star lines you know, I mean, the, it, it's all, all of it. It's right. just Star Trek might have been first on the screen, but like you're sitting in a ship and well, what would it look like and feel like? Boom. The, right. This is it. Yeah. There, there is nothing else. The concept of hiding aboard a smuggler's ship. A lot of thought put into this, too, right? Oh, yeah. The design of this Super ship. Deep. He's smuggling things, so he has to have secret compartments. And there's a lot of uh, background on the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. as far as what was done to the ship. And I think that we got a little bit of it in The Force Awakens mm-hmm. when they bring the ship back. Mm-hmm. The alterations well, that they made. I the, think uh, all throughout the, the trilogy you get that. You, you go back to, not that we're going ahead, but you know when Lando, who originally had it, you know, yeah, and they it, talk about, oh, we got this and this from there. And then even when <clears> they're at the uh, docking station on Tatooine, he's talking about, oh, I did this, made these upgrades, and right. so you, you and, a little bit more. And I'll, I'll offer that the ship, even the ship, is a main as an inanimate object, right, is oh, a main yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, without question. Is a main character I, I don't that think made the I, Kessel Run in how long? Less than 12 parsecs. Okay, I want to make sure you got it Less right. Than Less than 12, right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, would, I would provide the supposition that inside of the second film, no Millennium Falcon, no movie. Sure. Oh. So there. Right. The Prisoner Rope-A-Dope. Another excellent piece of storytelling where, okay, well, uh, we got to take Chewie into custody. Fine. Okay, uh, Chewie's cuffs are not connected. Okay, fine. We jump into a couple of Stormtrooper outfits. Mm, okay, uh, good idea. Yes. It's, sure. It, it, it's, oh, it's, it, it's believable. It's stupid yeah. simple. Yeah. Uh, I, what I also love is that as fast as you can take off a stormtrooper helmet, I was always under the impression that like, you know, a stormtrooper would take off their helmet, and I think we mentioned this inside the Rogue One too, and, and that like instead of there being a head, you know, with hair and stuff on it, it would just like be a big pile of worms or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And so it was cool to think that anybody that had the helmet on could now also disguise himself as a dude that is just a big pile of worms. Right. That has the outfit on. Right. And they they had to go to, you know, going back to the characters, too, the plan that they came up with. So the young kid had to go to the criminal to come up with the plan, (laughs) and it was perfect. It was perfect, right. Right, right, right. Rescuing a princess. Easily one of my favorite scenes inside of the entire film. You've got, both of them are duded up inside of Stormtrooper armor. you got Chewie, who's, quote, clinked up when he's not really. Mm-hmm. And they they roll into the into the the antechamber of the the cell block, right? And they absolutely open a can of whoop ass on everybody that's inside right. of that room, right? Right. I absolutely love that scene, and I love everything from where it starts to where it plays out and they end up inside of the garbage compactor. Right. That entire yeah. scene. Well, then you even got the little bit of comedy in the there. The dialogue, when, yeah. Where he's talking. Know, when he's talking. Oh, everything's calm. fine here. Nothing's wrong. Go ahead. Uh, um, how are you? <laughs> but. 
Even ba- <laughs> but backing it up, even even the scene where you've got Luke trying to convince him to rescue the princess, he still doesn't and, want to and, do it. And right. you have right, and you have his his wheels turn. He's like, I'm not doing that. And he, she's and it, rich. She's yeah. rich. Yeah. And you <laughs> see Boom, those wheels on. turn. <laughs> Comedy relief. I thought right. it was great. Yeah, and, and and the comedy that is used inside of this film, I think that's what horrifies me about the first three films, the, the prequels. Yeah, it's not overdone. In this. Right. This is not. It's not half baked. It's not right. dumb. Not pushed on it, you either. Yeah. It, it, it. You get to take what you want from the layer of comedy that's provided, and then move through the story where you're not given that opportunity inside of the the prequel films. Right. Uh, it, it it's super super razor blade writing that you have to follow. Right. Exposition genius appears again. It happened so many times inside of this film, I wasn't even sure which one to pick on. Mm -hmm. But there are so many where traditionally when you look at a map and somebody is voicing over what you're seeing as the map moves around, that traditionally is an exposition scene. Mm -hmm. Exposition scenes are typically where movies go to die. You often find that movies come to an absolute grinding halt when you get to the exposition scenes, mm-hmm. if they're not done appropriately. <clears throat> this one, at least three times, does exposition perfectly. Right. It's absolute deductive step-by-stepping through what you're now going to go and experience, and here we go. Right. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Hapless stormtroopers. You can't exit the cell block because of the stormtrooper carpet. Right. <laughs> what I'm referring to here is when the, they're holding down the cell block, and then one of the doors blows open, and there's you know this jagged stormtrooper shaped hole. Right. right. And they shoot one of the stormtroopers, and rather than the body falling through, it falls on the hole, so yeah. that the next stormtroopers actually got to right. climb right. over that stormtrooper to get in. Right. <laughs> and I love that. That is the. If I had to show Which, you a picture of what are the stormtroopers inside of Star Wars, that is a picture right. of what right. are the stormtroopers Clumsy. inside of. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think there's even a scene where mistakenly one runs in and hits his head, but they left it in the movie because yeah. they figured that's perfect. <laughs> well, and in the uh, in the revamps in 1997, they also added a sound where it's kind of the gong. Right. And yeah. it, 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 it's, it, it was added and it was perfect. The trash compactor. This was an epic scene, Dude, too. Uh, Any time and... that you develop... The brilliance of the scene, too, is that this is not all about peril. I think that's what movies and television series do today is that they they grab a series of characters and they're like, okay, what do we do? Let's uh, let's do this, and they throw them into peril and they just leave them there. Right. They, they develop nothing. There's no nuance. There's no stair stepping in regard to conversation or dialogue. They just throw them in there and shit happens. And that is not what a scene like that is for. A scene right. like that is exactly like what happens <clears> here. All of them, while they're surrounded by walls, they all establish their own walls inside of their own discussion inside of the con- the trash compact. Right. There's almost a, a power play right. happening between the princess and Han. Oh, yeah. The, my God, we've got to get out of here is throughout all of that. Them throwing the literal lifeline out to 3PO to help them get the hell out of it. Right. That's awesome. Right. And then you add in the element of the question mark, which is the creature right. below. Well, what is yeah. that thing? Right. Well, the that mu- right. is brilliant. The multiple peril, and I don't know about you. I can I can remember back when I was in the theater, back when I was nine years old. My heart rate watching this <laughs> oh, was I up. It. I still get it. It was up. Huge. You still know because what's going on. It was, but you're yeah. still like, it was the sense of urgency, right. and they had multiple threats. All of a sudden, they lose one person. He's under the water. They're trying to look for him. They're you know, and as the walls and then keep the walls going. start coming in. It, it's I mean. And it's a lot for you to take in 
all while they're they're throwing this dialogue back and forth put together brilliantly and uh it had the effect that it was supposed to and something else i want to add on here whenever i think of the trash compactor when i was seven we lived in an apartment complex called the versailles apartment complex Mm -hmm. it was a mile 1.8 miles away from the theater Mm -hmm. so when in doubt i would just get on a bike and go watch a movie right and i remember vividly the trash compactor because our apartment complex inside of each building had a trash compactor Mm -hmm. and it was where there was a shoot and it wouldn't fit a person asterisk Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know you'd never want to fall down the chute because doom like what would happen inside star wars right right? absolutely the other thing the versailles apartments complex reminded me of was the treasure room you guys you guys familiar with the concept of the treasure room is have you guys lived in apartments ever yes yes okay when you lived in apartments the ones that we lived in, there was an internal garbage chute, mm-hmm. and then there was a garbage compactor. So you could compact garbage, or you could throw it down the chute. Mm-hmm. But then there was also the room where all of those bags and stuff would accumulate, i.e. the garbage room. Mm-hmm. Well, inside the garbage room is where people would bring the treasure, mm-hmm. because they'd take old lamps and end tables and chairs. And yeah, the the stuff else. that you could take out in the woods and make a fort with, right? And that's exactly right, and that's what I dubbed the treasure room. <laughs> that is exactly what that was. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because one of the again, one of the things about doing these is that it helps to mark time and events in story time of my own story time. And Mike had in his uh, fort out in the woods the old <laughs> leg lamp that, oh, from uh, Christmas story. From the Christmas <laughs> right. story that he yeah. had that he put up in the, in the fort. <laughs> <laughs> There were no windows in my fort, sorry. Action, storytelling, and the opening and closing of loops everywhere. I I love preaching on this because it's what I want to just go and roll up and smack on people that write current modern day television. Mm -hmm. Is that loops have to not only be open and closed, they have to be made. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) that's absolutely critical in writing. Look at this character. Right. And nothing happens right. at all. And roll credits. If you that's crap. Right. If you have a loop that doesn't hook people in, rope people in, it doesn't have some type of depth to it. It doesn't have some type of uh, plot line that it's connected to. Then it's worthless. You know it. And maybe you can close it, but what did it mean in the first place? Yeah. Pat Pat's actually got a book, and it's a perfect sample of connective tissue attaching pieces of the story to other pieces of the story. Pat, tell us about your book, quick. It's called Crisis Cops, and what it, talking about the '70s. I went back and interviewed a bunch of negotiators from the '70s from across the country. But what was cool is, is you got the first guys who started in New York, but mm-hmm. then they it starts piecing together all these other guys, kind of learn from them, and it and it just shows where they all kind of gotten together, and then it just branches out, and you know. But it originally started with this concept, and then they just kind of branched out and all did their own thing. But then, if you look at it, it's all connected. Right, and it's the same concept, and it was just pretty, pretty interesting, and it was a, a good project. Yeah, and not only that, it's an effective concept. The whole thing that something's going to morph because more than one person is throwing in an idea, right, to make the culmination and the again the loops that open and close inside of storytelling, it's key to effective storytelling. An original and pretty lame duel: the difference between then and now when it comes to sword and saber play. All right. I want everybody to close their eyes and paint a picture for yourselves of the Darth Maul. And that's exactly Obi-Wan, what I was thinking. Qui-Gon Jinn, right. Lightsaber. You see, battle. you see that battle, and then you go back to see the the first battle, and you're like, wait a minute, what's? 
but I was still <laughs> I was still enthralled because it was the first time you'd seen right. lightsabers. lightsabers. Yes, and, I, 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 I can't possibly take anything away from that. Yeah. But what I do want to emphasize is, I mean, just massive difference yeah. between what Obi Wan's skills were. And I realize in in the movie they've actually made him older right. than they wanted him to look. But yeah. I, that, that's something. I mean, look at you look look, look at Yoda. You know, he's yeah. he's at least several hundred years old in the right. very first time when he's kicking ass. Right. right. He's so, doing somersaults and, you know, and then right. Ben Kenobi which, can't even, you know, which do was, anything. Which was a little goofy. I mean, I, I loved those those lightsaber battles in the uh, in the later movies, but um, the first time I kind of saw Yoda, you know, he's this short little dude bouncing all over the place, I kind of thought, I had to watch it again. After, after a while it grew on me, but at first I was like, oh, I don't know. I got to say, the, the classic lightsaber battle between Kenobi and Vader, you're right. It didn't have the Darth Maul, you know, swinging. Well, nothing. Light, you I, know, yeah, no special force, effects. No force and, powers. And, but, nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but it was still the first lightsaber battle. And, it is. And adding in the sound, the crackle, right. the blades hitting together, it was just it was just incredible when I was a kid. And I still, I still have classic memories of it. Yeah, the sound design inside of Star Wars is singularly, and I'm talking about all the movies, oh, yeah. even yeah, the ones that we don't yeah. particularly like. Yeah. The sound design inside of all of them done by it's Ben incredible. Burr, it, yeah. It's beyond incredible. It is its own world. Yep. It's where they're taking sounds that all of us are incredibly familiar with and morphing them into something that's incredibly special that is clearly from a galaxy far, far away. And as a kid, I remember going out and trying to recreate some of those sounds. The sound of a uh, blaster going off. Mm-hmm. If you stand on a large girder, you know, you got to go out to a construction site, find where they're building a home, and, uh, you know, hit it with a hammer or with your foot. Uh, Not recommended for children under 12. <laughs> 12. Go ahead. Well, well, Pat Doring, you know, young Pat Doring went out to the construction zone, nearly getting arrested for trespassing. You can maybe recreate that. Not that I've tried it. Right. But just sure. so, just so you know. Just want to let you know. Right. <laughs> Why did Ben Kenobi raise his saber and give up? Discuss. Before I saw the last three movies, I had that same question. But as they inserted it into I don't remember which of the you know, the later three I believe it was the very last one. The later Qui-Gon three where Qui-Gon Jinn had... Actually uh, said that he had become a ghost or yeah, something. Yeah, he'd become a effect. ghost or found a way to prolong his life Spirit after force, death I'm sorry. and become more powerful. I didn't understand it either. And when, as well, here's a, what I don't get, though. If it's so awesome to be dead, why isn't everybody just right, killing themselves? Yeah. Well, now, here's an even better one. You know all those dead Jedi from Order 66? Where are they all at? Where the hell are they? Right. Well, Why isn't there this army of ethereal if, warriors if that you goes go back to the, If you go back to that... The Sith's ass. If you go back to that <laughs> scene, though, they did add some detail in that scene where Vader takes a swipe at him and he disappears. It isn't like he killed him. Well, and that's the he thing, though, too. And, I, and then I he starts. That. He starts. The detail was he starts. He, he actually, on yeah, he on actually kicks right. because his, he can't yeah. figure out where he went. Yeah. So he does actually that, kick the robe. So. That was as a kid, I remember noticing that even and going back and watching it and go rewatch that scene right. and too. I still, and that's what I thought was, whoa, he's not dead. He just he, he disappeared. One of his tricks or something. He's he's coming back. Yeah. So you were kind of confused because well, he's not dead. I mean, because you even see Vader kicking the, the thing, and Vader doesn't really think he's dead either. So that was one of the things you're like, hmm, because what's we've going on we've here? seen other lightsaber battles where they've cut people in half. Oh yeah, right. So we're cutting arms <clears throat> off. And anyway, I, I I think this is the first time now, forty years later, that I was watching the scene, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, why did he give up? Maybe he didn't. 
Well, That's no, that was my conclusion. I, I, no, I actually think I got it. The reason he gives up is because attention is paid to him. He's able to keep Vader off the others' asses, and there's no way so they can get away. That he can extract himself, get back on the ship, and right. the other people get away. So. Right. That's the answer, but the whole giving up part just felt kind of weird for Obi Wan, especially yeah, he, now he after kept, watching him. He could have kept movies. fighting. Yeah. If, it, if, it was, if his point was to stall, keep fighting. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's where I was going. All hands, battle stations. It's time for a TIE fighter fight. Another checkbox in a awesome. Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Awesome. You got to have it. Right. Uh, the other thing this pioneered clearly was the first-person shooter fighting oh, system yeah. right. inside yeah. of video games. Right, right. There were a number of original video games that had a, what is essentially this scene. Where right, there's yes. Ships of whatever kind, even if they did or didn't look like a Tie Fighter, flying through space, and you have to shoot them down. Period. Paragraph. Right. That's all. That's all it was. Yep. Right. And this all started all of that. Yep. The the concept of dogfighting, while it had been done many times in real life, right. inside of a variety of wars, and this was what pioneered that new first-person shooting in in-air video gameness. Yeah. And I think that you were on overload because you had the visuals of that mixed with the variety of sounds, unique sounds, the sound of the TIE fighter, right. the sound of the uh, laser cannons, the sound and, of the explosions. And yeah. the developing relationship between he and Luke. Right. That, that's, not, that's the other piece that we really, we, we, we skirt it, but throughout all of this, all of the interactions, regardless of how much action is going on inside of whatever scene, regardless of which characters are interacting, mm-hmm. regardless of which ones fall, regardless of which ones are on the periphery, all of it is establishing a deeper relationship between whomever you're seeing on the screen. And right. that's missing. That and, is missing. And that's why you movies. can't just watch this movie once. Right. right. You've got right. to watch it multiple yeah. times yeah, to yeah. pick up on everything. There's yeah. just too much going on at once for you to grasp everything. I was going to say, my only question yeah. was, wait a minute, so we have a battle station, and they can only throw out four TIE fighters at us? What, what's... <laughs> <laughs> that's all they got? It's four? Everybody but then, else is at the lunch. But then, they're on a split shift. But then back. you get Sorry. it, though, is they actually wanted them to get away because they were tracking them to get to yes. the Rebels. I mean, well, and see, that they can paint it that deep is also extraordinary as right, well. Right, right. Because the, there are several other pieces, parts, where people have now gone back and tried to, to retcon what's going on inside of what you see inside right. of the storytelling. Well, when they explain some of the stuff, a lot of it really does make some good does. sense. Well, speaking of that, let's. I don't, I don't think we even had this, but... The whole big controversy on Princess Leia's British accent. Yeah, starts out. So it starts out British accent, that and all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Let me get this straight. Neither of you have <clears throat> dated a girl that started off one way, and then turned into something completely different I, by the time you're done with their relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically gonna. Con- no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not answering that question, but we'll go back to the, my original point. He's not because his wife might listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. No, I love you, honey. Did she start with a British accent? No, she, she did. Not. Did she? Now we understand. Right. No, but I can tell you that Heather did dress up as a Princess Leia. She that did. we do, we have did a you, uh, we have a Skywalker. Pic- no, have a I picture. was Darth Maul. Were you Qui Gon Jinn? Yeah. Darth Maul. We have a picture. Darth Maul, really? We have you got a, a picture of that? that. Yeah, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want that picture. Yeah, we'll put that. I must have that picture. You will give me this picture now. And I've seen a lot of people ripping on this. Oh, yep. what horrible acting. She starts out a British accent, then all of a sudden now she's switched. Well, if you actually think about it, she only uses a British accent when she's talking to the Imperials. Right. And she's a princess, and she says she's on a diplomatic mission, correct? Mm-hmm. So she's on a diplomatic mission. She's going to play the part. 
I'm, I'm a princess, I have a British aunt, I'm royalty, da-da-da. Mm. Then when she actually meets the rebel, she goes back to her real character is she's a rebel. Well, and so that, I think that, right, and that was the whether he meant to rebel, do that or not. Spot. I think it it plays into. I think it plays into it. And I think it. I think it absolutely plays into it. There, there is a there is a broadcaster voice that I can find and put on. I don't typically use it just because I I know I don't like listening to people that do it. Right. But there is that. There's a there's a it's it's like a deck of playing cards. If you're with people that you're incredibly comfortable with, I know Chris I know Chris has witnessed this. There is you'll hear me say things in front of people that I'm comfortable with that you would never hear me say in front of say like that convention I was at last week. Right. There's I would never share half right. the stuff that yeah. I say with Chris to those people. Right. When it's it's the same thing. You also find that when I get more comfortable, you'll find that my northern Wisconsin accent will creep out as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's intentional. Right. It's it's that piece of comfort, and so for those that think that there has to be a this super highbrow because you are dubbed a politician, and it must be on you forevermore, that's not true at all. In fact, I would think if you would ask every single politician, they too also have that thing that can fall over them, that is that sense of polish and prestige that is not on twenty four seven three sixty five. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great point, Pat. A revisit to Peter Cushing's presence, thanks to Rogue One. It was great to see him in here, and again, I totally refer to those stair steps that I was talking about inside yeah. of the connecting Rogue One to this film. Absolutely. It, it, it's all joined. It's incredibly crisp. Yep. You can see where they grabbed the lines one-to-one inside this film and drafted those into Rogue One. It's awesome. Right, absolutely. A new battle plan. Rallying the troops and collecting true reward. This is great. Again, Chris had talked about how we take the scoundrel slash murderer slash guy that is shirking authority right. and turn him into somebody that is at least endearing yeah. at the middle point of this film, then has an excellent growth curve right. throughout you, the rest of the movies. You, you start highlighting his, well, his skills mm-hmm. you know, as a pilot, and then you start highlighting the emotional, he's kind of got a soft heart. For for certain things, yeah. Well, even he, though even though he was this criminal right. who shot profited, first. who shot first. Hey, you right. know what? And I wouldn't <clears> change that. <laughs> I wouldn't change that. That's characterization. And to go back and change that is messing with the characterization that yeah, was successful. No, I, I totally agree with that. But they totally uh, but they did that. change that when they updated it, right? Yeah. Uh, no. <clears throat> yes, that's yeah, what Pat shot. Greedo shot first. They got yeah. Greedo shooting. No, that's what I'm saying is that they haven't changed it back. No, right, right, right. Yeah, it's sh- not like what they've done with ET, where right. in ET it's the guys running with guns, and now it's flashlights and keys, and then they changed it back so that now the guys are now still running with guns, as opposed to flashlights and keys. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that it should be. It should that be it, like the it original. Should absolutely be that. Right. The rallying the troops and collecting the true reward here allows you to, to get a different carrot. That's given to someone like Han Solo, but then also the Rebel Alliance, right. where this is not just you know it's not Thursday and we got to go fight some stormtroopers. Right. That's not what we're looking at here. No. This is this is the fight of their lives, and the real reward is not the princess's money. No. It's not that we're going to win the day. It's that we're not going to all be dead. It's freedom. But you and do you do if you, if you remember Honda is packing up his money and he's he's leaving. He leaves and you're like oh wow he he just left. But he's got a guilty conscience. Right. Oh, yeah. They start building that. They start adding those little right. loops and those tidbits, yeah. and yeah. they start building right. that. And they also start building that hint of that relationship yes. between her and him. Right. The, the hint of the relationship, but the other big overarching loop that's opened is the sense of loyalty. Right. Because he hasn't had a whole lot of that except for maybe Chewbacca. Right. Right. And that he's able to open up another loop 
toss in Luke and Leia inside of that, as well as the Rebel Alliance, because that's what we're talking about here. Because, let's face he, it, he lacks friends. Absolutely. Without, without question, except for the big hairy one. He's got nothing. Right. A different kind of trench warfare. Inside of the show notes for this episode, I'm going to include the original 1977 version versus the 90... Blah, the 1997 update so that you can see side by side in real time the differences between what was mm -hmm. and the differences between what is. We'll include right. that in the show notes. But I wanted to make sure we talked about this because the trench has always been a point of contention mm -hmm. for a variety of people inside of Star Wars fandom. One, if the trench is so far away, mm -hmm. why not just get closer and then go into the trench instead of traversing the trench throughout where all the guns are it wouldn't and have been the rest as cool. of the stuff. Oh, that, I mean, that's the that's the gist. Is right. that it wouldn't be nearly perilous if you could just in three but I seconds think it, turn a corner. And I shoot think it they in set hole. it up and well, it's explained that, away that they've got to get close in order to. The angle has to be correct, right? If you in just order plop to, down, you're not going to be able to get the right. angle. To get I think, yeah, but it's that. a starship. Come I think on, they right. set it up. I think they set it oh, up. No, they they <laughs> absolutely did. I just know that even back then, as a seven year old, I'm like, well, you know, if I want to shoot a hoop, the closer right. I get to the hoop, my odds go up. So right. well, I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> Watching pilots die. The value of story-bound consequences. It made it realistic. Oh, yeah. This goes same squarely into the same peg as the burning bodies. Not everybody's coming back. Not everybody's coming back. All the good guys do not come back. Right. If you choose to do this, then that happened. But, and so are you going to choose that again, or are you not? But that's exactly <clears throat> my point when we talk about the lead-in from Rogue One mm -hmm. into this story. Oh, yeah. It's not a feel-good, everything-turns-out-great story. It's, it, it is a tragedy mm -hmm. but and a drama, but it works. It's the first time I can remember, and this is even... Well, no, I was seven, so I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing my first... So I think, the, I think Midway was my first war film, mm -hmm. and I didn't see that, I don't think, until like, whenever right. that came out. Anyway, th <clears throat> this was the first time I remember seeing, look, a pilot that's inside of an aircraft... That is now burning to death right. and being destroyed. Mm -hmm. This is that movie. And it's another piece of why I think this film is so defining inside of so many people's visions. Because this is the first time. <clears throat> this is the first time we're, look, there's Porkins. Right, and that's what I was going to say. a piece of bacon. Right, yeah. Yeah. He could have been yeah. a great character, but now they, <laughs> they killed him off real quick. Yeah. Well, see, he still can be. That's the whole wonder of right. Star Wars is maybe right. he'll maybe he Porkins the movie. His own right. backstory. Porkins how, a Star how did Wars he get? Story. How did he get here? Right. How'd he get so fat? Right. We don't know. Too true. Right. <laughs> he might have looked like C-3PO for all we know. He could have. It's just a pecking on the surface. This is what my friends and I would refer to when they didn't score on a date. <laughs> this was the code. Did you ever think this that maybe because wow. you guys talked a little too much Star Wars <laughs> that <laughs> that might have happened? might have been so a key. Was a on the surface, <laughs> yeah. Here. Uh, maybe, but uh, you know the the fun of always being able to pick on people on Monday morning was. All right, so Mark, uh, just a pecking on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was awesome. You mean you wore your Wookiee coat and <laughs> that didn't go coat. well? Yeah. I had my lightsaber and everything. It just yeah. didn't work. Have you ever heard voices when you were in the middle? This is something I wanted to ask you guys. Obviously. Like you're in the middle of a task slash effort, and like, do you hear? Obviously, you don't hear Obi Wan Kenobi saying "Run, Luke, run!" Right. But that kind of inspiration 
Do you do you ever have something like that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm a I'm a faith based guy. You know that. That's why we've I'm ta- asking. We've talked about That's it before. Yep. The way that I live my life is, I try to go where I'm led. So I mean, it's kind of a lifestyle for me to. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, there was a there was a time when uh, I would make up a plan and I would continue to revamp it every time I failed and continue to ram my head into that closed door waiting for for it to open not seeing the other opportunity that might have been better because I just wasn't open-minded because I didn't have that faith that I have now and I, I you know in all honesty it it guides my life so I mean if you can equate it to that sure totally fair and that's that really is kind of the answer I was looking for Pat I kind of equate it to the you hear the the good voice and the bad voice sometimes you know when you're doing things sometimes you hear that you know hey what happens if you do this and some people not necessarily always listen to the good voice a lot of times I find myself doing that you know you're just kind of thinking before you actually act and you have that little good voice telling you you know hey this is probably a good idea you know this and this could happen if if you do that yeah, I think when I wrote this question, knowing I would be asking you two about it, the, the concept I took is that I always talk to myself. Mm-hmm. So sure. uh, the, the goal tonight was to capture the Star Wars perspective review, something that we've been planning for 12 years and never done. Mm-hmm. And so now it's time to set up the studio. Right. So, and so that was the goal, is try, trying to get that done before you guys got here. Got sure. Done. But I remember all the things that... The litany of bullet points that got listed as I knew I had to finish that project on the way driving here. Right. That's the kind of self-voice that I have. Sure. And that's where we ask you guys, what kind of self-voice, encouragement, whatever do you have? Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash two guys talking Star Wars. And start a new thread there or chime in on one of the ones that's already there. The Black TIE Fighter pilot figure. I wanted to make sure we also talked about this. This mm-hmm. is one of the last release figures <clears throat> that was made available inside of the original And Star one of the Wars coolest. Uh, easily, without question. If you had this figure, you had <clears throat> a the collection. Oh, right. Yeah. As opposed to just a collection. Right. And i, I got to insert this too, Mike. <laughs> if you go down to Hollywood Studios and Disney to the... Uh, is it the launch pad or the launching bay? I don't know. You were just there, um, not me. You can buy one of those helmets. Really? Oh yeah, for like you know seven hundred dollars oh, yeah. or whatever they are. Oh geez, you, you got can, me two. Then you can <laughs> one for here and one for home. <laughs> you can buy one of those helmets. They sell like all the armor and stuff there. They oh, have wow. the they have the that classic black uh, Tie Fighter pilot helmet. Mm-hmm. They have the stormtroopers and such. But I got to say that that's one of the uh, the most interesting and coolest helmets that they have. Yeah, there's down no there, question. Other than Vader's helmet, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It, it, well, just just when they actually when you first see them, you're like, whoa, who are those guys? You know, yeah, you're yeah. just kind of interested in what are the, what are those guys doing? Because you know, you see Vader's walking and he grabs those two and they start walking down the hall. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tremendous. And again, it's one of those pieces that turns the stormtroopers into something else, mm-hmm. except the bumbling right. white right. clad, ready right. for doom guys. Right. Yeah, yeah. What I also wanted to talk about when we talk about the Black Tie Fighter, I wanted to talk about a a show called Tested on Mm -hmm. YouTube. Are you guys familiar with Tested? I'm not. No. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is where Adam Savage, remember Adam Savage? Mm -hmm. Adam Savage from Mythbusters? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Tested is his and Jamie uh, Heinemann's program, although I've never seen Jamie on it. I've seen a whole bunch of other people. 
But it's essentially Adam Savage and Adam Savage's adventures, for lack of a better term. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And inside of it, there are a series of uh, his friends running through the collection and then compilation of Stormtrooper armor. Mm-hmm. And so we're oh, going to link cool. up to those inside the show notes, too. I know that you guys will oh, yeah. really appreciate those because the, the amount of craftsmanship that goes into making oh, a yeah. now available right. set of armor right. is really extraordinary. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's also extraordinary as to how easy it is to acquire one and then sure. get it on your ass because you would think, wow, no, I'll never be able to fit in that. It, you will be able to fit into it. it, it it's amazing how they've engineered it hmm. to f- amass and fit to a number of different well, body types. Well, wow. and like like I said, you know, go back to what I my last comment where I we talked about Hollywood Studios, where they have you can go down there, you can see all of that armor. I believe that you know a lot of it's for sale. They have an entire displays of an entire you know shock trooper or flame trooper yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. And in fact, outside they also put on other little displays where they have the stormtroopers. Yeah three or four of them walking and marching outside. Just just other cool things. They have Jawas that are inside that'll come up. They don't really talk, but they, they try to exchange junk with you. You know, they have, like, little trinkets and stuff. And What know. kind of trinkets did you give the Jawas? Um, I don't remember. Like a bo- bottle cap, and then they trade you another piece of junk they got from somebody else. <laughs> But it is. It sounds it's, great. But it's wow. Yeah, it's, I really want to. I really want to go now. Right. Yeah. All this trade bottle caps with Jawas. It is great. Bottle you know, Jawas. We got to keep awesome. Pat away. He tried to take one home. <laughs> Did they just kill R two? Yeah, this I really uh, this upset this upset yeah, me when I was a right. kid. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was done. He, <laughs> I, I mean, he blew, blew I mean, he got smoked by a, like whoa, smoked no. by a cannon. I mean, right. first we get Aunt Beru and Uncle Ned. What was right. it? I wasn't Aunt as a, I wasn't really Jones. as upset about them when Uncle I was a Owen. kid. Uncle Owen, Uncle there we go. Owen. Yeah. Okay, so first the uncle and the aunt they get dead, burned crispy style. Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Ben Kenobi disappeared. Now R two going. Now R two. Just I really did think that they were going to town, and. What I will say now, especially as an adult, it's where I in, where I will endear myself to many television shows that bother to go kill people that they've established as characters for you. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I remember being endeared by that was Oz, was a, a prison-based series oh, yeah. on HBO, mm-hmm. where you're yeah. like, wow, man, this character's been growing for six episodes. Yeah. Dead. Yeah, it's it's, and you know what? what? It throws you. Oh, it does. And... It throws you off your game, so you can't anticipate what's coming up. Right. It's an absolute dice throw, and right. I really didn't think that we were getting a dice throw when I was yeah. seven years old and seeing that. Until yeah. you overuse it too much, too, yes. though. Yes, then it gets stupid. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah. Speaking of Thrones, the Throne Room awards, except for Chewie, and a triumphant soundtrack that leads to the end. There's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here. The throne room scene is one of the most pinnacle moments oh, yeah. inside of Star Wars. Absolutely. The reason it is the most pinnacle moment inside of Star Wars, it's not because of the awards. It's not because of the glorious young cast that just gave you a kick-ass movie. It's not even because of the array of aliens that are shown. It is because of the triumphant soundtrack oh, yeah. that right. is inside of this film. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, just I don't have enough words to say how powerful John Williams was as a composer developing this soundtrack the soundtrack and all the others that he yeah. has he, he is he is the king yeah <clears throat> we, we we have a it's been on the radar for years now and he just keeps coming out with more great stuff and so yeah. it's very hard it's to incredible. pull the trigger but doing what is a career expose on John Williams and his music throughout mm-hmm. the years right. we absolutely have that 
scheduled. He just Good. keeps doing more work. Yeah. So right. it's hard to pull the trigger. Yeah. It's be, something it's something I definitely want to do to try and somehow get him involved in doing that yeah. before he passes cuz it will be a it'll be a rough day when he goes. Yeah. And this scene is why. Absolutely. It, it, it is it, it's what everybody would like to have as their 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 ringtone. Yeah. A lot of people will say what well, if you could walk into a room and have music play what would it be? Oh. I think this right here will be right. just fine for me. That'd be yeah. great. Uh, I kind of right. like the Imperial March. It, but, uh, yeah. Well, as does everybody, right? I even remember it being moving in the, do you remember the original X-Wing video game? If you beat it at the end. Does it play this? You're at, yes. You're at the oh, end. Really? You're at the, the end. The one with the trench, you mean? The, that uh, one? The award ceremony? No, the one with, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it might have graphics? I think it might, but you're, you're at the award ceremony, and you're standing up this. there. They're putting, they're giving, putting a medal on you, uh-huh. and they play, and they have the fireworks going off, and they, and they play that. I don't remember that, that music. Game. We'll remember that game? That game. No, yeah, we'll, I think it's. I thought it was called X Wing. Let's call the audience. Uh, <laughs> audience, if you know what the hell Chris is talking about, <laughs> feel free to chime in via our website over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. I'm 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 reaching out to Fill all the, the nine year olds at 1977. <laughs> yeah. Not Mike's era. My X-wing. era. X Wing. X Wing. Yeah, X Wing. It was a video game though. Yeah, it was a video. It was one of the first video games. First it video was, games. Uh, okay. you know, one of the early video games. I think. And it was a more simplistic game, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you went through a series of. That uh, wasn't the vector missions. graphics X-wing. I don't was know. Was it an arcade game or a console? I think it was a console game. Okay. I remember playing a console or playing it on. I don't remember. PC right. maybe that, when PC started becoming popular. Oh, I don't sure. Remember. That, that's what did Mr. we have? Time Traveler. What did we, what did we have in the seventies? I mean, the Commodore Pong. sixty sixty four. <clears throat> that wasn't Pong. even the Pong. No, that Pong. was it. Yeah. yeah, Pong was coming, yep. and then Atari, <clears throat> and then in television. Yeah. ColecoVision. So, you know, and then, uh, like I said, I remember the my friend up the street had the Commodore 64. Had that one game where you typed in what you were going to do. Yeah. Right? I don't remember what it was called. There are a variety of ones like that. We were talking e- about X-Wing. X-Wing. We could remember the original X-Wing? Oh, yeah, yeah. But there was and another. The, there was the, uh, the Wing Commander. At the, was the spinoff. It was oh, like man. The, you guys the are cheap, killing me, though. Wing Commander's like 1995. But, was it that? Really? I thought it was you guys earlier are out than of your that. Mind but with video but games. X-Wing, X-Wing at the end, when you got to the end and oh, you yeah. beat it, didn't yeah. it, it had the award ceremony, right? Yeah. And it had it shot the fireworks off and yeah, played and the music. This was 1978, right? No. No, not 78. No, they didn't have that. No, that was like. It was in the 90s. Was it the 90s? Easily the 90s. You think it was that? Me and Pat played it last week. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I do remember it, though, because it was pretty cheesy at the end, though. It was like... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't... But still, it, it was brought you back. Like the it brought you back electric, the scene. Electric organ, you know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't... I mean, you know, it still brought <laughs> you back. It's like Grandma scene. playing it. And you're like, oh, that's great. Pat's grandma used to play it. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, we talked about so much awesome Star Wars stuff, but it's time to take a break here during the Two Guys Talking Star Wars perspective review of Star Wars 1977, directed by George Lucas. We will be right back. Conspiracies, by definition, require more than one person to be involved. Two Guys Talking is proud to announce a new program on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Conspiracy Agents, which will provide outstanding conspiracy and mystery-based content that will bring yet another flavor of podcast-based ice cream to the Two Guys Talking Network. Check it all out now at conspiracyagents.com as another new year of captured perspective here at Two Guys Talking begins. 
That's conspiracyagents.com. Conspiracyagents.com. There are many logos that you can look at around you on your mobile device, your drive home, inside the boob tube, and thousands of other places. Only one conjures the answer, however, to the question, who you gonna call? In 1984, Ivan Reitman directed a special little feature film exploring the paranormal, the normal, and the comedic inside the city of New York. It was called Ghostbusters. It was deliberate. It was fun. It continues to receive stellar reviews even now 30 years later and is the seed for many new efforts that feature the moniker Ghostbusters. How did the original win hearts? What do you think of the original 1984 romp that talks about a gatekeeper, a key master, a destructor, and the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? Check out the perspective review of Ghostbusters, 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman. PerspectiveReviews.com. That's PerspectiveReviews.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Everyone, welcome back to the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Star Wars, 1977, directed by George Lucas. Just as every movie has the goods, there's also the bads. (laughs) Alright, so there's not a giant list of bads inside of this film. No. But just like everything else, you know, there's all kinds of awesome, but then there's a few stink bombs that are also inside of this film. (laughs) Deductive reasoning? I don't know, Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, you're not a trained investigator, Mike, right? But the, I am. No. I just oh, that's I right. play one that's right. You were. I'm still going with it. How right. do we know? There could be the Kenobis that live down the road. It could have been the other Kenobis. <laughs> you just don't know how <laughs> common the Kenobi name was. Kenobi hey, from all the other Kenobi. Right. Nobody's wearing a name tag inside of any of this movie. <laughs> that's they right. They could all be named Kenobi exactly. for all we know. For all yeah. we know. Yeah. The Jawa Walrus Kenobi. Man right. Kenobi. Who do we know? Jawa One Kenobi. Right. <laughs> but I, but I do I do agree. I mean, come on, Ben can oh Ben Kenobi yeah, and it, it still goes back to and my whole plot of Luke Skywalker. Skywalker yeah, really, right. I mean, he goes back to his dad's home world and he's hiding. I mean, that's that's the best place we decide to put him with his yeah, own relatives. Right. Hey, you guys are the best people come to on, ask though. Let's a couple, go. Hold on, the cops can tell us specifically that very often the place you forget to look or don't look 
is right underneath your now, own nose. Correct? Now, correct. But but to a rebuttal to his too, I suggested that if you went to the later films, that Vader believed that she died, and so did the so baby. So the children. Right. And he didn't know if there was there was two children, but he believed that they all died. So perhaps that was it. So when was the light bulb moment inside of Empire where Darth Vader goes, "Oh, look, it's my kid." When I was think that? I think because of the Force, somewhere in there he realized the Force based on just parental knowledge or metachlorian count. No, we won't Either. even go there. Okay, all right. No, I, no. <laughs> Either whatever. No. Whatever. Heck, whatever. I think he recognized them. Okay. Well, he recognized the name. Right, Skywalker. Oh, that's, oh wait a <laughs> minute, tech. Luke Luke Skywalker? That's that's my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Who's at the laundry and saw the name tag on some underwear? He's like, awesome. I know that guy. <laughs> Stormtrooper dexterity. Yeah, we talked before about how clumsy mm-hmm. the stormtroopers Capitalist. were. Right, mm-hmm. right. Sure. They fall over each other. Right. They get shot. They, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. but yet they're supposed to be this elite force. Well, mm-hmm. this elite force. But that's how they. they in the beginning, that's what they were. I mean, they went and wiped out the Jawa sand thing. They went and killed right. Uncle they had, Ben and Aunt They had precision Baru. laser blasts. Right. And then now all of a sudden... I'll, I'll do you one better. Three and a half hours ago, there was a black team of SEAL stormtroopers exactly, whooping all kinds right. of ass on the sand right. at wherever. Uh, Yavin? Wherever the hell they were on the, the right. moon with the shield right. and right. stuff. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So how, what, what happened? What happened between that time period? Obviously, and, it was a breakdown it, of... <clears throat> Stormtrooper training, which we're going well, to have and it, it, Chief DiGiuseppe explain for us. It was it was the elite <laughs> unit. It was what every uh, young man aspired to go and be. In fact, when you go back to the portion in A New Hope where Luke wants to leave the farm and go to the academy, the only academy that was around was the Imperial Academy. Mm. So we have to deduct mm. that he was going to go into this so he's a elite future stormtrooper, academy, future stormtrooper or future pilot. Interesting. So, right? Interesting. Right? I'll throw it out to the audience. Oh, that's an excellent what, one the audience. Yeah. What, uh, what academy, if it wasn't the Imperial Academy, where was he going? I'm pretty sure it wasn't a rebel one. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they, they ever advertised. Hey, by the way, we're, we are now taking recruits for the Rebel Academy. Join us now. at this undisclosed at location. Awesome. Right next to Ben Kenobi's house. <laughs> and that's really all. I mean, the... As much as I want to try and find something else to store in a list of hidden bads inside of this, we kind of glanced on the the whole Obi Wan hiding thing. We've uh, we've talked about some of the the things that irk us, but there really are no bads inside of this film. In particular, for a seven year old brain that's watching this film for the first time, uh, this is this is it is a transformative adventure that instantly closes off all other portals and accesses to your brain, and gives you instant access to literally a galaxy far far away that's what we ask you guys what else do we miss in regard to the bads there gotta be some in there right maybe maybe not let us know what you think by going to our website over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com click on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think the franchise I don't know that I have enough time no. you don't. to talk about the franchise. You the merchandising. I mean, the, the, <clears throat> the, initial, the money. The initial outlay <clears throat> on just the merchandising of this film is such that I don't ever remember anything ever no. equaling what no, the not push even was close. for this. These days, like, at all. Star, you have Star Wars <clears throat> on macaroni boxes. Yeah. I mean, 
and it sells. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I mean, and I'm not kidding. It's everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, what, what I also noticed too, and it just happened today actually, <clears throat> on the internet inside of YouTube, no less. There is essentially a Saturday morning children's cartoon commercial, mm-hmm. and the cartoon commercial is for this new um, lightsaber building system. Mm-hmm. It's a base lightsaber, and then you can snap these other parts on. Oh, yeah, they, whether you want to be the yeah. the Sith side or the dark side or the light side, you can whatever you snap onto the end, you get to choose which side, and it either glows blue or it glows red. In these at, awesome. at these at these stores, you can. Uh, it, that I referenced down in Disney and that you can go and put and assemble your own. You get your own hilt base. You get the uh, different color blade. If you want to make a double sided lightsaber, they have that. So you can go and you can construct your own lightsaber. They have they have tons of those. Uh, those well, I, I think it's really there. interesting about this though is they <laughs> had no idea when this movie was coming out that that was going because let's be honest. If I don't know if you knew this or not, but. They didn't have action figures out when the movie came out because they didn't expect yeah. it to be a big hit. You, right. Remember, you had to get the box, mm-hmm. the empty box right. that promised you these figures, and it, people right. actually bought it. Right. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, right. that actually kind of tells you where it was going. Yeah. Well, I, I think what I also love is that the, the endearment and the nostalgia is why we're doing this podcast anyway. Right. And all of that continues to live. Absolutely. It lives yeah. inside of each of one of us. It, lives, it right. lives inside of each and everybody that listens to this podcast. More importantly, it exists inside of the people that haven't yet listened to this podcast. Right. Oh, yeah. And it is what I specifically prey on inside of my podcasting business. Right. I want everybody that's got that sense of nostalgia and that, that want to grab a, another canister of popcorn and sit in front of this movie to hear what we want to say about that film. Right. And so the, the, I, I, there is no way to talk about the franchise and be done there, no there, oh yeah there, there no. is no way because from, star wars will never be done no. right from from toys to you remember the uh, the rogue the rogue commercials for when rogue one was coming out mm-hmm. it's a it's a freaking car right and they're right. talking about a car and look <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a the giant Nissan rogue. rocker coming right. at, at, the, at the rogue, <clears throat> right, the rogue right. vehicle right just amazing stuff <clears throat> uh, volkswagen with the tiny little darth vader kid right Right. It, it's huge. It, it it never has end, and all of them know that they can draw on the well of nostalgia, and it'll pay off. Period. Absolutely. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just huge. The other end of the spectrum is we are now anticipating the second of what is at least three total films. Well, four, if we include the Han Solo run. Well, it's right. three total films of the uh, main story, mm-hmm. and then I believe three, three total films of the alternate stories, or the yeah, side right. stories. So, you know, you're what? looking at another six total. Yeah, I, I had read that there's going to be a Star Wars movie every year for the next 20 years. Is right. I, and I, 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 I believe it. Yeah, I wouldn't. You want to know why? Because it's going to sell. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I, I know that I want it to all be Rogue One-like. Yeah. As opposed oh, to yes, frequently, yeah, like. right. there's no no question. Right. right, and I think that's the direction that they're going. I mean, they're building that entire theme park. One of the features down there is that you can walk through the real Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So yeah, terribly exciting. That's where we ask you guys: What is your favorite piece of the franchise, either past or future? Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash Two Guys Talking Star Wars. And let us know what you think by chiming in on one of the threads that's there or start your own. Ah, the rating. It's always fun to get to the rating, especially inside of an iconic film like Star Wars. The scale works thusly. A a ten. All is right with the Jedi Chi. A one. Everything Stormtrooper. 
Mm. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Chris and Pat, there are no halvesies. Pat, what do you got? I'm going to have to go with a 10. I mean, I don't see how you can get any better than the original. Going back and watching Rogue One, I thought that was a great movie. But then, like I said, I, I went back and watched Rogue One and then watched this again. It still, it still hits. I mean, 40-something years later, I can still sit back and enjoy it. And it was, it's just an awesome movie. I mean, you got a great soundtrack. You have action. You have spaceships, droids, creatures. I mean, you have everything you want in a movie in this, in this movie, I think. Yeah, it's stellar. Chris, what do you got? I'm going to have to go with an 11 because I've got to beat Pat, first of all. And secondly, <laughs> this is one of two movies that moved me, I mean, as a kid. It's just the most memorable, one of the most memorable movies I've ever had. If you have this movie on the TV, I will stop what I'm doing, no matter what I'm doing, and I'm just instantly drawn to it. I don't care if it's the 600th time that I've seen it. It's just that epic. Yeah, the, the front end of this movie... We, we we actually skipped over it, but it's it's that little piece of the 20th Century Fox and then the beginning of the John Williams soundtrack is such a hallmark. Oh, yeah. And every time yeah. my daughter is watching any of these films, yeah. Yeah. that always collects my attention span so much that I yep. will go and see what she's watching and I'll sit and watch it with her. Uh, that my child, a now 14-year-old girl, has latched mm-hmm. on to Star Wars. That shows you the power of what they have created inside of this franchise. It's timeless. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Not only is it timeless, it continues to collect fans like a giant corn combine of cash that this franchise is. I also give this movie a 10. That's what we ask you guys. What do you guys give Star Wars 1977 directed by George Lucas in regard to score between 1 and 10? Let us know what you think by going to our website that's over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. Click anywhere inside the show notes for this episode. And tell us what you would rate 1977 Star Wars directed by George Lucas. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Chris DiGiuseppe, your other host. And I'm Pat Dorian, also a host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Concept of hiding aboard a smuggler's ship. A lot of thought put into this too, right? Oh yeah. The design of this Super ship. Deep. He's smuggling things, so he has to have secret compartments. And there's a lot of this, a lot of this about the millennial. Millennium. Millennium. A lot of, Falcon. Awesome. A lot. A lot of this about. I don't the, really care where we're going, Luke. What's yeah. in it for me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> go ahead and edit Where's that my part money? out. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Do I have to wake up? No. Um.